All right, guys. Welcome back to the Fitness in Philosophy podcast. My name is Robbie Gustin, and I'm joined, as always, by James Fitzgerald. And today we are discussing human nature and fitness part two. How are you doing today, James? I'm great. Thank you. I just noticed you uh, you hesitated on or you emphasized FIT in the fitness in philosophy, and then you stumbled on my name. So I don't know if there's a fit issue going on. Today, Did I still I apologize. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't care. You can call me, uh, you can call me what you want. Actually, you should call me Fitzy. You should start calling me Fitzy. Fitzy. I mean, we're close okay. now. We're we've developed yeah. a deep enough relationship. We've we've met in person twice. Yeah. No. After, I mean, that's after, that's pretty much episodes. in the date app in the app dating game. That's pretty much you know a home run. So you can call me Fitzy. Okay. Well, I mean, when we did our very first podcast, we were thinking about calling it the Fitzness and Philosophy podcast. Like we were, we were thinking about, yeah, like James Fitz. Yeah, um, I, almost, I always feel, uh, I always feel, I got to let go of that. I always feel slightly embarrassed by by putting Fitz Fitz in fitness, but uh, you know, what do I care? Let's do it. Yeah, why not? It's a very you know, you just you mentioning that with <laughs> twice in the 52 episodes, it brought me back to something that we've discussed before. But yeah, just sort of an interesting thing that for all of human existence would have never existed, right? You and I have corresponded for, you know, a few hours at a time, uh, every few weeks uh, remotely uh, seeing each other, uh, yep. but only then to meet in person just a few months ago. So yep. interesting. Yep, it makes me think of uh, all the letters that were written. You know, the Thomas Jefferson uh, letters. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> the back and forth. Was it him and John Adams, or John Adams and Jefferson that wrote letters to each other? Post, anyways. Um, and they had at odds, you know, but they, you know, took this long, lengthy time to get weeks back and forth. You know, they both. I think they both died on July Fourth, too, hours apart. Uh, crazy enough, on the same day. Um, anyways. Uh, I, I think about that, like down the road, looking back, people are like, oh, that's that's a cool relationship. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like the New Age letters, you know? Yeah, no, I, uh, a similar one, a very famous uh, correspondence. Well, there, I mean, there are a couple, but uh, one was between uh, there are a couple of famous philosophy ones, but Locke and Leibniz hmm. essays on uh, human understanding. And and, and uh, then there was the. Uh, Leibniz Newton correspondence about the nature of space and time, which was actually written by one of uh, Newton's uh, close friends. But yeah, I mean, these, these powerhouse philosophical works that were the dialogues, essentially were dialogues. And uh, didn't David Hume have a relationship with um, uh, the Scottish uh, philosopher, economist, uh, Adam Smith. Yeah. Adam Smith. Right. Yeah. You imagine that just conversations. <laughs> yep, just two bros. <laughs> Why don't we go for a coffee chat and change some human existence? <laughs> yeah, and uh, as uh, you know, I mean, tea. It's interesting. Actually, what's that? It was tea. It wasn't coffee. Oh, okay. Um, it's interesting. You know what happens posthumously. You know, uh, Hume famously, like his most famous work, A Treatise on Human Nature, he he famously wrote it was born, stillborn from the press. Um, like no one knew or cared. 
yep. really who he was, and now he's yep. they considered one of the greatest philosophers of all time. So, yeah, the hope for the call to prayer of fitness of philosophy in the hundred years is uh, alive and well. Well, we're going to touch on uh, OPEX North Korea today a little bit. We are. We are. And the call to prayer. All right. Well, that's a good segue to set you up to uh, get us into it. Part two. All right, guys. So a couple quick things up front. Um, if you guys like the podcast, leave us a review and tell a friend. Uh, we always like it when more people get to kind of listen in and join the conversation. Uh, if you guys are interested in picking up any... Um, t-shirts to disparage other uh forms of well i was gonna say physical activity but that wouldn't be fair <laughs> things masquerading as physical activity uh, like pick a bell and e-bikes check out t public where we have uh some shirts calling the things into question they appear to be physical activity but in reality they are not um oh which reminds me james i saw a um i saw an ad on uh uh, one of the social media sites the other day, it was for like a pickleball paddle subscription service. So you get a different one each month and I signed you up. So uh, <laughs> expect to see that. Well, when we meet in person, I'm going to hit you with each paddle. Oh, I'm sure. I'll take, yeah. it, take each different colored one. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, if you guys have any questions, comments, topics you want us to talk about, I do check our email. Uh, so yeah, email us at fitnessinphilosophy at gmail.com. The longest email out there. Yes, but you can't mistake it for anything else. That's right. And you got to be focused. Yeah, you got to be focused. Got to be. If you can't type fitnessandphilosophy at gmail.com, <laughs> I'm not sure I want your comment or question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and now I'm banned from the, from the internet. <laughs> or you just splice the crowd. <laughs> right. Um, all right, guys. So, uh, just a quick refresher on philosophy and human nature. We we chatted a bit about human nature last time. We mainly made it through how human nature bears on fitness and the individual. We made it through how it relates to the coach. And today's topic is much more the fitness collective society. How does that all um, connect up and? I feel like I can say this without giving too much away, but one of my favorite shows is Westworld. And as you were saying, OPEX North Korea, it made me think of one of the, there's a scene in Westworld where uh, I won't say what kind of being, whether human or robot, but basically a noise is played over loudspeakers and it forces these beings to do certain activities. Uh -huh. So I, I, I wonder, you know, uh -huh. uh, with, chat gpt and the all intelligent ai do is that what we want is that you know, yeah, is, yeah. Is, is this the thing going forward where we perhaps override human nature to make them do these things but we'll, we'll, we'll oh, get into small, that. the small g gods right yeah small g exactly. gods that uh that invoke uh that invoke uh you know um what everyone that is listening to all of it agrees is the right way Right. They got, they've got their echo chamber. Mm -hmm. So a uh, quick refresher on human nature. Um, what is human nature? It's a concept that denotes the fundamental dispositions and characteristics of thinking, feeling, and acting that humans are said to have naturally. Um, it's meant to denote some sort of 
essence. Now, there's all sorts of debates in philosophy about whether essences exist. You could even say, you know, Wittgenstein was a fan of saying, like, instead of essence, let's talk of family resemblance, where like it isn't that every family member has the exact same eyebrows or hairline, but like there are in a in a family photo, you could see different things that are common to each. Um, you know, what it means to be human. And uh you know, again, just kind of a, a helpful way to think about this is, you know, cats versus dogs, right? Yes, there's a tremendous amount of variation among dogs and a very tremendous amount of variation among cats. But generally speaking, you're not going to be playing fetch with your cat. You're not going to be walking your cat. Your cat isn't going to be excited if you just put, you know, dog kibble in their bowl. Well, probably because they wouldn't eat it. But you, you see what I mean. Cats, uh-huh. cats are very kind of uppity and uh, snotty and... Not always, but generally speaking, there there are those dispositions that are a bit more. Whereas a dog's like, "Hey, oh, dog kibble, mm. well, yeah, for the five thousandth time." <laughs> I love my life. Dogs are a lot more codependent. Uh, cats are a lot more independent. So, is your is your fitness collective goal, James, to turn people from metaphorical dogs about fitness to metaphorical cats? I just thought about that. Oof. That could be the next T-shirt. Codependence, uh, dependent on owners. We lose it. We lose a lose. We'd lose a large crowd. A large. Yeah, we would. Listening, listening. Yeah, yeah. That is true. That is true. I think. I think what's more interesting is outside of fitness is to see how uh, party affiliation or political bents line up with cats versus dogs. Yeah. That would be a far more interesting uh, analysis, I think. Yeah. Without knowing what would happen, I just think it'd be. Right. Yeah. And there's a pretty big. Um... Yeah. From what I understand, there's a pretty if big. If there discussion. was such thing as cats versus dogs, right? Like. Right. Um, is there an essence to humans that applies across time and places? So, you know, Aristotle famously thought that we were, uh, rational animals. Uh, another way he sometimes defines humans as political animals. Um, you know, McIntyre, who's an Aristotelian comes along later and says we are dependent rational animals. Now, whatever else one thinks of any of those definitions, what's important about me mentioning them as you're, you know, engaging with this material and thinking about it is this notion of like, Think about what the weight of each word and what that does to like pick out what it is you think about, you know, humanity. Um, Kant and Aquinas go more for this notion of like being. And, you know, that can make things in terms of, well, you know, angels and, you know, other things. And then Aristotle's is much more tied to biology. Um, and the unique thing about us is our rationality and McIntyre's is, oh, well, those two are cool, but I'm going to put one in front of the, the other two. It's not rational animals who are dependent is dependent rational. Do you know what I mean? So just in thinking about how are we define human nature, um, the weight of each of those words and picking out who and what we are. Yes. Um, there do seem to be certain unique biological characteristics about us. We are bipedal uh we use language we use rationality to plan things in advance um morality and religion seem to be things that have been around for quite a long time in different forms um you know as as far as we know for a very long time we we form societies 
an interesting point that got brought up in the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy about about this that is just worth reflecting on and is somewhat reflected in some of our discussions from earlier on. I think on the evolution episode where we were asking, well, you know, were the uh, previous hominids, you know, laughing at the bipedal hominids for the like, ah, eh, you know, we you know, we walked on all fours, and now you two, you know, you newfangled kids are doing it on uh, two feet, and uh, oh, we didn't use spears before, but now, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this the same notion that we kind of keep coming to of like. How much does technology affect who we are? But one of the interesting points related to that is that biologically and physiologically, you may have been, you know, quote unquote human. I think it's something like 150,000 years ago. But uh, from like a cultural and brain development perspective, it would have been closer to 50,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's 100,000 years. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. uh, depending on how you count. 10x civilization you know like so just just something interesting to think about about like what what is human nature is it something that uh just is constantly in in flux uh over time or is there something that you know travels throughout all those times yeah um and i think about more close to home what what were the things that uh drum up all those thinkers in the 1500s and 1600s that really, you know, did put a dent in the major differences that are seen between 2022 and 100,000 years ago. Like that, that's what I keep thinking about for, you know, this timeline of human experience and what it means to be human and et cetera. Just think about all the iterations of asking the question about that, that has taken place since 1600, you know, as opposed to 100,000 years ago up to that point. Like it's, it's, you know, it's just, that's where I think about mind blowing, yeah. mind blowing in terms of the conversation or what the, also what I think about what's, what's the things that tipped into that? Like, what are things that stepwise made everyone at that time and all the energy be like, just a second, <laughs> just a second, you know? Um, right. And it wasn't, of course, within a couple of years, you know, but, you know, back to our pre-show com- conversation, right? On uh, no one, no one knew that Hume and um, Adam Smith you know, had those conversations, right? hundred years later is like, Ooh, those are, you know, so <laughs> hundred years is a long time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's a similar thing with the, uh, the so-called axial age, uh, that's sometimes referred to. So, you know, uh, Buddha, Jesus, Socrates, Aristotle, Plato. Now, of course that's happening over a few hundred years, yeah. but on the scale of like eons, it's quite, it's quite oh, close together. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what is it about, culture formation or society formation that you know roughly depending on how you count 2000 3000 plus years ago or 2500 years ago mm-hmm. so somewhere in that vicinity mm-hmm. all these like profound thoughts about what it is to be human and how we should go about our lives uh were you know came into existence or at the very least were written down and codified and like why not 500 years hence Yes. You know, that, that type thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, that, that particular thought process could pull me further away from the topic today. <laughs> so I'll but stop yeah. there, but great, okay. great thoughts. Great thoughts. Yeah. yeah. It's still, it's still super interesting. Yeah. Um, how closely are cultural aspects of who we are tied to our inherent biology? So, you know, 
would there have been a Neanderthal Socrates or Neanderthal? I mean, and that's even using it within the hominids, but, you know, you could say yes. like, well, you know, if there was a different entity entirely or like, um, are we beings that just inherently search for meaning? Um, and maybe there is, and maybe there isn't, um, you know, how, is the fact that we produce music and literature and philosophy a product of the way we evolved in the particular structure of our brains? Or is that as philosophers sometimes call it like carving nature at its joints would other similarly intelligent beings who don't have the same evolutionary path, would they come up with similar cultural byproducts such as art and music and philosophy and literature? Uh, and the answer is we don't know, but it's, it's, it's interesting to ponder. It's interesting yes. to ponder and think yes. about. Yes. And uh, I think there's been some large thinkers who've asked those questions, right? In different universes, what would people do if they were presented with that, you know, and uh, how do you think it would take form? And that also makes you think about, you know, all the all the stepwise progress that gets you to a certain point versus starting blank and just saying, hey, you know, what would they do? Would they come up with music? Would they come up with philosophy? And that's a good place to go as well to think about uh, and contemplate how would that come to form if it wasn't for the 150,000 or 200,000 years of experience, right? Or maybe, maybe not. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just for people who are interested, and I think this is a, you know, great thought experiment to kind of take yourself through. And this is what Aristotle did. A lot of how philosophers answer this question about what is human nature is uh, by looking at both actual biological entities, so typically animals and insects and, you know, the ways in which we differ from them, but also hypothetical, you know, maybe real or unreal theoretical entities like angels or, uh, you know, aliens or something like that. And asking how would, you know, so Kant famously said all rational beings would have access to morality. All rational beings would have access to logic and math. And, you know, of course he doesn't know this, but, but thinking about that. So when you're, when you're, when you're trying to either get at, you know, the answer of what is human nature yourself, or, you know, figure out how did philosophers go about doing this? A lot of it is the contrast case. What makes us different from bears? Mm -hmm. What makes us different from other primates? Um, was it the chimpanzee that we're 99% genetically similar to? Okay. So like how did that 1%, you know, create uh K-pop and uh, Jay Leno? Yes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I like how those are my two, uh, <laughs> I need to get better examples. Yeah. That quick answer is always a, a deep insight into top of mind things that are going on right there. I was trying to think That's of like Robbie the, sees humans. I was trying to think of more people. obscure things. I mean, I'm I'm happy it created Letter Kenny. I mean, you know what? Like <laughs> Letter Kenny, if that isn't the peak of human civilization. And the Cohen uh, brothers. Yeah, exactly. Um so there are huge implications for society if there is an essential human nature. And this is essentially what we're going to be discussing today with regard to fitness. Um so how we should structure society, how we should treat each other, the role of religion in our lives, how we flourish as humans, how we should raise and educate children. And there's a question that we've talked about at length that's going to be relevant again today. You know, let's say we find out there is an essential human nature. Is it the role of an overarching government to then say, well, you should do this? Or is it more of the role of government to like to protect people to say like, hey, I want to do this or I don't want to do this. I don't, you know, human nature be damned. I'm going to go do my own thing. Um, another thing that's important here that I've mentioned in other episodes is 
philosophy is always relevant in reinterpreting for the current age and era these eternal questions. These these questions, you know, have been important for a very, very, very long time. You know, Plato, Aristotle, all the rest of it. But now with, you know, um, universal basic income and artificial intelligence and the metaverse, ChatGPT, exactly. All the, you know, robots and all these potentially different things. Uh, what is the nature of work? Mm-hmm. You know, what, you know, what is the purpose of a human being? All these different things now need to be reinterpreted in light of these new things. So it's going to be a similar thing when we talk about fitness, as we mentioned very heavily last time, we ourselves have created the condition in which we no longer need to do fitness. We were the ones that did that mm-hmm. humans mm-hmm. in an effort to make things more efficient. Mm-hmm. So now we need to rethink, well, what do we do? Yeah. You know, biologically, this is, you know, important for us to function, but we don't need to do it. So how do we, how do we go about it, you know, going forward? Yeah. And from the outset, I, uh, not to give my point on that, but also to think about, um, uh, no, I'll get to it. Okay. We're going to get to it. Um, you know, we talked about human nature, biological versus cultural. We talked about the blank slate last time about, you know, there's, there's the d- debates, especially today, and we won't go too far afield with them, but you know, there's these debates about like how much can culture override biology, you know, and how much does biology keep saying, Nope, I'm, I'm biology. I'm still, I'm still here. Um, you know, uh, the quick answer to that is that it's, it's the, it's the, um, it's, if, biology is actually stressed so it's it's if you know culture can have a major influence on biology even in the questioning and the conversation but i think what what i seem to believe anyways is that the conversation inside you're not you're not stressing biology so if you stress biology then the truth gets revealed right and you know we could we could discuss that ad nauseum of what what that means um but you know playing here and there with a couple of false sweeteners, not really going to make a difference because we're not talking about stressing the biological system, but dumping someone with false sweeteners, you know, 12 hours a day is not a, it's not, it's not a stupid straw man argument. It's it's that's what's the definition is of stressed of the biology system. Right. That's, that's what I was saying. You know, I hope, I hope that made sense in terms of how culture was injected in there for false sweeteners, but you know, yeah, that does make sense. I mean, as a similar, I mean, they're different. Yeah, like you said, there are different ways in which culture can influence biology, but otherwise, you know, just conversation. I mean, here, here, here's an example, right? Like the uh, the light bulb, extremely new invention, um, relatively speaking, in the evolutionary timeline, you know, less than two hundred years old at this point. Um, You know, people stay up later, you know, they're at clubs or bars or what have you. We can do that culturally all we want. Does that change the fact that humans have a circadian biology that responds poorly to artificial light that suppresses melatonin? Like you can, you know, you could have a society on earth say till they're blue in the face, hey, humans function best uh, sleeping from four to 6 a.m. every day. Yeah. But that isn't going to change biology. Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect Uh, example. Or if it does, maybe it's on the order of like thousands of years and we are devolving as a result. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's important to keep in mind is like, 
you know, culture can have an influence. It's part of the discussion, but uh, biology is biology. Yeah. Yeah. Biology is biology. Yeah. That's a, I would call that a less in, a less culturally intense example, yeah. but a, but a, a really uh, great example. Yeah. Of uh, my point of stressing the system, i.e. that's a stress of the system, the biological system, if it's four to 6 a.m. only and lights all the other time. Right. Right. Um, that's a stress of the system. Yeah. Right. Try not to touch the third rail, James. Well, uh, or uh, not, not you trying, I'm saying I'm trying. Well, to people can make, yeah, people can make, uh, some people know themselves. Right. But yeah. they know, you know, they know they, it's they like, know. you know, are you just having conversation around, you know, uh, se sleeping seven hours, 45 minutes versus eight hours, five minutes and sleep waves on your app. Like this, that's what I'm saying. Otherwise it's just conversation. That's right. all it is. It's just talking. It's just talking heads. That's all it is. Right. Cause it's not stressed. Right. Exactly. And, you know, the last question that I think is, you know, we're going to delve more into in future episodes as well. And I think it will be relevant here as well, but this notion of human nature in the future. So we we've talked about how in the past, it's certainly been the case that, you know, hominids and then homo sapiens, sapiens and so on and so forth, like developed over time. And there are these things that have uh, changed. Um, but they weren't in our direct voluntary control. And now I feel like it's the first time in human history for good or for ill. And I feel like James, you and I lean a little bit more towards uh, potentially the latter. Yeah. Uh, no, but do. yeah, where there, where there may be direct voluntary control over aspects of human nature and, uh, perhaps our dispositions, you know, our neurochemistry, uh, our and generational then, dent. Yeah. Like how long I, that's been in, you know, that, that really changes the conversation. Like, you know, for all the good or bad antibiotics did, you know, it wasn't, uh, I mean, I guess you could disagree with me or someone could disagree with me if they think I'm wrong, but like, it wasn't a, an attempt at like mass extinction of the human gut microbiome. Like we just didn't know and we, we messed yeah. it up and like, okay, there we go. We did the best and we that. could and there's trade-offs whenever you right. do that, right? Right. Yeah. But now between genetic sequencing and code altering and all these different things, like we actually may, you know, CRISPR and chat GPT and all these different things may in the next hundred years actually have the ability to change human nature at a fundamental level. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And it's it's almost like you just you just fast forwarded the same similar issues that are at play, right? We think we have all these adaptive mechanisms that make us so progressive, yet we're over fat and just getting sugar drips all day. And we really think punching keys, that's progressive. That's human progress, right? And and in the whole time, I think you just did a great job of very quickly getting to a fast forward analysis where I think personally, it's going to end up with the same kind of conversation, right? Without saying, you know, oh, the, this, you know, uh, making the decision to just do a check mark as to who, you you know, what kind of uh, genetic, you know, things you want your child to have, you know, is we think that's, that's progress. And now, now that gets into darker territory and the ethics around it and it's tough for a lot of brains to even think about that being possible, you know. So, there's a couple of things in there that we're gonna we we're gonna have to contend with. The future, 
you know, for, for us being armchair, you know, uh, uh, profits <laughs> really. Um, and also the, the challenges of it being similar to what I see happening today in my perspective, anyways, it's like this, oh, we're adapting, we're progressive. We're, we're, we're so advanced. I don't know. I don't see it being, uh, I don't see it being much different, especially with the timelines too, Robbie. I'm not sure if you thought about that as the, uh, it would, it would have been nice to have this, you know, internet winter for like 80 years, you know, where nothing more happened beyond uh, just the web. Uh, no such thing as social media. Um, they like kept the, <laughs> kept the silicon in the valley, you know, just, you know, whatever that looks like. Right. And then, and then we got to deal with this, right. You know, a couple of generations of uh, information, really, you know, just deal with information at a high rate for 80 years. Now, now we're going to give you something more, right? I would say that multiple generations would probably be able to deal with that. Whereas we went from like 99 and the bubble to like, you know, 2006. And it just like, it just like sped it up so quickly to bring back to your point of the fast forwarding mechanism of us having to deal with the things that are uncomfortable, like Robbie said, um, and the list could probably be longer, Robbie. Oh yeah, of course. Then just eugenics or GPT or et cetera. Um, it is, um, I think, I think based on that summary there, then I think we're, do you feel that there's definitely some ethical things that are tied inside of that too? Like what we're responsible for, for the fitness collective and, and, um, you know, again, without being authoritarian, but you know, which is why North Korea just ends up landing in the, in the, in the notes there. Well, then how do we guard against that? You know, what do we what do we do to guard against that if we know that that project of adaptation and progress is actually not the best for yeah. the most for the most? Right. Um, then what do you do? Do you just back to my pessimistic point of just help the five percent who are willing to to like learn and do the work? Or do we have an obligation? Or, uh, you know, the 95%. I'm sorry, I'm taking it into grounds that are outside of just the human oh. nature aspect. But No, it's a really good question. I mean, it's some, honestly, it's something I struggle with. And I've been thinking about a lot recently, especially since the chat GPT thing. And of course, it's not just that. No, it's uh, there are so many other things, but just, you know, exactly what you said, the, um, the rapidity of technology and, you know, maybe... You know, I think we've talked about this before. We're like, is there an upper limit to like the speed at which humans can develop and like absorb what's coming next? You know, maybe people during the industrial revolution thought a similar thing, but I, I, I feel like there, you know, this, this is the risk with every generation, right? I, I feel like there are probably people in every generation who are like, you know, Gutenberg press and, uh, you know, philosophy and all these different things. Oh gosh, things are just changing so quickly. Yeah. Cotton but I, I, what's that? Cotton gin. Right. But I do feel like, gosh, ooh, I mean, you know, exactly like you said, um, you know, if the internet, if it just been the internet for 80 years, like, could we have stood a chance of absorbing it and working with it? Um, you know, even with different things. And now it's just so many things have developed so rapidly to the point where I feel like in particular, the next 10 years with you know, different types of either augmented or virtual reality, generative AI with Dolly and ChatGPT, uh, CRISPR, 
you know, and it, it may be more so in the next hundred years, I feel like there is really this element of like, what do you do? And like, uh, I heard someone the other day saying like, even if someone decided to ban chat GPT tomorrow, you know, some, someone else is going to figure out how to do it. Um, and it goes back to some of the technology conversations we've had before about like, you don't know about what's going to be let up Pandora's box until you let it out. And then, um, so the truth is, I don't know. I, I, I kind of lean more towards what you were saying. I, I lean a little bit more towards like help those who want to be helped. And, um, I, I'm, I'm not as keen on forcing those who don't, but I'm not sure that's the right answer. I, yeah, I, it's, it's a genuine question with pretty profound implications, I would say right now. So yeah. the initial thoughts on it. Yeah, the why I find it important is uh, that I have children, right? I have yeah. children, and I, that that really uh, strictly connects me to my own personal responsibility of ensuring that they have, they do have, if I have some part to play in it, they do have not just a, a a local, but some kind of future, you know, some kind of future that, you know, I you know, anyways, it's a whole separate idea of you know thinking back right and you don't want to get to that point and think back and say we could have could have tipped it over through conversation or you know someone someone doing something about it um i also though just recently listened to someone discuss this particular challenge um and one one individual was far far more reactionary to it which i really am empathetic to far more reactionary would be just you know to reduce it down just homestead just like rip your kids out of school run for the mountains and just like and play it out right um as i say that i wouldn't rip my kids out of school but my wife and i would definitely go to the mountains and they would figure it out <laughs> do you know what i mean like uh mm. so it's that but but the the other person had a good argument for um based upon my current readings of generational shifts and like you know these patterns that have happened over long periods of times uh, they said the only way out is through. That's a very short statement, but it does have does have meaning in that in that concept and what we're talking about today. And you raised it there. You gave the example of ChatGPT will always have their competitors that'll say, "Oh, this is how you spot you know shitty ChatGPT." But think about that. Our entire future will be based upon this argument back and forth. Doesn't that look similar to today? Right where where it's like. What are we actually arguing about? See, what we're actually arguing about is that biology will still be the same. You know, it's it's like we're we're having this back and forth argument uh, in, in this technological turmoil, right? And that brings us to the point here today for you know the biological impacts that still stay like straight and narrow. There, there, those principles are like the liver is still the liver in eighty years. Like there's there's not. And, and there's not things that are happening technologically today that's making a major impact on that. But, but what happens if there is, right. right? You see what happens if there is, and all it takes is punching keys. I know that sounds dystopic, actually utopic in some people's eyes, but you know, like you ask GPT to write a program today, which by the way, we have investigated and it actually does write a pretty damn good exercise program. I'll just stop there to allow people open their minds up to the to the turmoil we're inside of that yeah. as an education company that has right. a digital platform though so we think about that too um you know you will be able to punch keys right and now punching keys into reproduction does like 
it does really hit that line of, you know, the biological, the biological <laughs> jam. I don't know. I can't find the right words for it, but it's like, ugh, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, totally. I've got, I've got three thoughts there. So one, one thought uh, going back to the, like, you know, uh, the kids, uh, you know, ripping the kids up and going to the mountains. Uh, you know, McIntyre actually talks about this with uh, Aristotelian ethics, and it was kind of like the monasteries and stuff like that that kind of, you know, were secluded from society and kind of kept these little fragments that had been uh, otherwise forgotten and destroyed and uh, kept them until a later date. Uh, you know, um, I forget the book. He always references a particular fiction work, but it's one where, uh, like you know there's there's some sort of apocalyptic event and then people in a hundred years hence only have fragments of what was once done and it's you know a similar type of idea where like the homesteaders you know live you know this biologically maybe appropriate life out in the in the wilderness and uh yeah so that's thought number one thought number two is and this would be on the assumption that like we were saying, biology does stay constant that, you know, CRISPR and chat GPT don't turn us all into the, uh, the real liver King with like, I don't know, a four X liver and uh -huh. <laughs> whatever it's going to mm -hmm. be. But, uh, Sam Altman, the, the CEO of open AI, which is the company that produces Dolly and, uh, chat GPT. They're doing a lot of research into universal basic income, which, you know, for those who aren't familiar, it's this idea that uh, governments, uh, perhaps in response to technological shifts, like imagine a long haul trucker who no longer has a job because of an autonomous truck, uh, would provide a basic income, let's say a thousand to two thousand dollars a month to every citizen. Lots of discussions about whether that's good or bad, but an interesting question for what we're talking about in humanity is like, so the environment for humans was originally like, you want to go get a cake or burger and fries doesn't exist. You want to go get food. You're either going to starve or you're going to work to get it. Mm -hmm. And then we progressed to the point with agriculture where it wasn't quite as much. You could kind of store stuff, but you still had to work a decent amount. And like you had a job, you had a purpose, you had something, you know, and now today, like it's a permutation of that, but like you still have a job. I still have a job what does the world look like and physicality look like when we don't have a job anymore and not, and not just not a physical job, not, not any job. Is that a utopia or is that a dystopia? <laughs> like what, what does that, what does that mean for physicality? And that's, you know, the third point is just, well, yeah. What if, what if, what if biology does change? Well, that, that's a whole, whole yeah. different yeah, those are the types of thoughts I have there. Yeah. Great. Uh, the segue to that of what I've entertained before I've gone that, because that was a parallel thought process that got me to the deconstruction of fitness concept. It was reading books on, you know, existentialism and life experience and meaning and purpose that led me into the darker areas of it, like nihilism and antinatalist concepts. When you then start asking, you know, and then you hear people talk about, you know, universal basic income. And that just, it, it's, it's almost too tough for your, for your brain to comprehend what to do with, right? because we're so locked in but the reason why uh, you know i that kind of paralleled me over to the fitness deconstruction thing was just kind of answer your question that you didn't ask but was kind of in there it was like what will we do in a physical nature if that was to be the case my point would be and i've said it all along is we'd have all the time in the world to be physical we you know it would it would it would just open up so many pathways for people to 
create a physical experience and really tie into nature and biology and falling in love with that again. That's my that's my thought process as to how that would kind of lay out, because I, I really do see so much so so much strain inside of the human experience for a lot of humans just to quote unquote get by because of those basic necessities are not taken care of tied into of course economy and and having to do what you need to do you know to get to that point um it uh, becomes becomes likely a very uh, arduous process for for many yeah and then the question i mean i, I agree with you that it would allow the opportunity to engage in those things more and then the question is well with the metaverse and you know would would people still uh you know would would this new opportunity to be able to engage in physicality more um yield actual engagement more in physicality or uh are people just gonna kind of not wanting I, the answer is i, I, I really don't know i think there'll be a percentage for sure yeah i do too yeah I think there's a lot of things that are like Trojan horsed inside of the UBI thing, though, that we haven't contemplated. I think that there'd be things because when, when people have time and they have time to think, I think it really does, you know, raise a a larger collective awareness in people. But I think with, you know, the current uh, technological landscape and all the constraints inside of having to do your thing to grow up and get a job and et cetera. We just don't have that time. Yeah. Right? So, if, so if the if the time to contemplate, and all I'm talking about is like two hours a day, like it's not a lot of time. Oh yeah. Absolutely. But that could be that could, in my opinion, anyways, Robbie. There, there'd be this like, there'd be things that would go inside of that new life that would allow these times to to be able to look at, you know, to be able to look at the the. <laughs> the meta shit and we look like oh my gosh i can't believe you know uh, but but you don't have the time to do that so instead you're like oh, eh, 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 eh. you can't see me on the screen but i'm like you just you got to be tied into it because it's it's almost like a in some cases uh you know a calming effect really right to the you're uh... like you're still part of the process you know yeah no i can see that yeah. but james that's two hours away from roblox metaverse so <laughs> Or maybe it's maybe it's actually uh, you know a Chat GPT style OPEX uh, North Korea online version of Roblox and Minecraft. It's a physical universe that people start to participate in with uh, with everyone else. It's almost like Pokemon. It turns into Pokey OPEX Opim OPEXmon Opimon. <laughs> That's what it turns into just chasing chasing robbies and james around all over the planet you know climbing trees and climbing rocks lifting rocks you know by the way guys uh and this will probably become a thing in the future a little digression then we'll get back to it but uh you know you know how they have like certified 100 grass-fed and grass-finished beef currently so th this right now is 100 100% certified human uh, you know, in, in 10 years, it may be a chat GPT version of James and a 10 a chat GPT version of me. I dude, it's not 10 years. I'm telling you what that thing spits out for paragraphs yeah. and what that thing spits out for exercise design. I'm telling you, it's not 10 years. But can it contemplate the nature of its own existence, James? Ooh, yeah. You see, this is where. This That's is where fitness and philosophy like comes yours out. to plant those questions. Well, it, it, it very well may. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe maybe I'll be uh, maybe I'll be obsolete in. Uh, three well, years. I think just to keep going on that 
Frank, I think that the challenge inside of there is, uh, again, uh, reflecting upon how humans are going to perceive what's in front of them. And I think the the tech is becoming so good, and this is not a new story. It's been raised multiple times, but the deep fake concept, um, you know, we should really have a new word for it because all of a sudden it went from deep fake to chat GPT. Chat GPT seems so like kind, right? But it, But it's the same thing, right? So how are you going to be able to tell that in the future, the future holds the person who's saying whatever they're saying to their 5 million followers is not that person saying what they're saying. Yeah. Like this is, this is where, that's where it gets real. Right. Yeah. yeah and that, and that, that's what I'm thinking uh, along the lines of, uh, you know, uh, again, my point is that it's the, the argument and the conversation inside is not connected to biology, right. Cause it, cause it's not real. And that's where I always have the rub in my brain. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I mean, I, I think along with that, you know, our, our, like you said, our minds kind of fry at the idea of universal basic income, because even if you, you know, yeah, we kind of live in a society where like, everyone's got to grow up and get a job. And like, that wasn't always the case in evolutionary history. But a pretty basic thing I could say is, yeah, there wasn't lawyer, doctor, businessman, you know, back before culture and civilization, there was like, you had to do something to get some, like you, you had to, you know, get food, you know what I mean? Gather, you had, you had to do something. What is, what does humanity look like anymore when like, you don't have to do anything, not just for the, you know, food and shelter, you know, before you had to create it and then eventually you had to get money to then buy it. And now you don't have to, you know, what, what does that, what does that do? So yes. I think to keep, cause we'll almost, I mean, we're, I know we're going to, I mean, we've talked about how we're going to have a couple episodes on AI and probably some of these other concepts, I think to maybe make the discussion today, um, you know, cause it's so hard to figure out all these different possibilities. Let's for the discussion today, do you think it's fair to say that we can, we'll try to hold the discussion within the framework of biology will still be biology for the next hundred years yes make yeah. that a presupposition um and then and then launch from there yeah for sure yeah because because it because it, it it could be you know i i mentioned in the outline you know what are some unique feature, features of human nature with regard with relation to fitness um you know it could be that these change in the future with regard to you know crispr and you know maybe the nature of humanity does change but like humans like to conserve energy. We like to make things easier. That's how we got ourselves into this current predicament. Yeah. I saw a statistic just earlier this morning that was talking about how in the mid 1800s, it took 10 hours of human labor to produce, I don't know, two pounds of wheat. I forget the exact number, but mm -hmm. now it takes two minutes. Yeah. A 99.7% reduction. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so many examples you can give of that. Right. Right, exactly. Gosh. So that's just, that's just one. Yeah. Um, we also have a need to be physical in some capacity. That's 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 a basic human need. We like fun and entertainment. We like community. So these are some of the ingredients that go into maybe you know, and there are plenty more. But like these are some of. Would you agree that these are some of the features that are probably relevant to how we would engage in fitness going forward? Yeah, yeah. I just I just keep thinking about you know. Um, back to your point on conservation of energy and making things more efficient and thinking it's progress. Um, I just keep thinking in there, there's got to be some questioning as to what made us 
what made us get to that point? Like what, what tipped it over over time where we're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, the, all the books start with that, right? Oh, we're just trying to be adaptive and we're trying to evolve and progress and et cetera. And inside of that was always, I'm just questioning, I'm just questioning what you and I believe, right? That, you know, of our point of we're, we are actually, you know, seeing this progression take place and this like adaptation take place. And our, our, you know, where did that come from? Where, you know, it, was it, you know, did there's like aliens just like mention it. And then and people are like, spread it to the, you know, put it, put it in the printing press. You know, we want to make things easier. You know, was it that, or was it just like, you know, technology industry, you know, all the things that, you know, that we came up with that led to it to be easier. And then we're all like, oh yeah, we do just want to make things more easy for us. We actually don't want to have to work more difficultly. And that's where physical comes in. We'd actually, so that's why I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that as to where that could have come from or how it was, how it was kind of jammed inside. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely have some thoughts on that. Um, I, in, in, and to agree with you there on like, I don't, and sorry if I use the word progress. If I did, I didn't intend it. I, I don't always no. think these are example, yeah, examples yeah. Of, of, of progress and that that is an important philosophical No, I was point. saying that we, when I said we, I meant collectively humans yeah. are all, like we, we, you and I use it in conversation, right? It's like, we all think that this is progress and, you know. I mean, I think there are the beneficent reasons and intentions and I think there may be some more nefarious ones. So I think the beneficent ones are like, yeah, not a good thing when like, uh, you know, a kid can't latch onto its mother's nipple or dies of starvation or, you know, uh, gets an infection or, um, hey, what what led us from uh, hunter gatherers to uh, farming? Well, steady source of, you know, we don't have to wonder, well, we're going to catch the gazelle or are we not going to catch the gazelle? Like, are we going to have stuff to, you know, be able to have some stability and consistency uh, with regard to building houses uh, or, or anything like that, you know, if we can do something more efficiently and quickly, all of us, all of us know we have that type of instinct within us of like, hey, how, how could I do this better? How could I do, you know, but then I agree with you. I mean, there there is another side from both industry and business of potentially a nefarious side of like, hey, you don't like to, uh, <laughs> I was going to use a non- uh, more R-rated example. I got to think of a different one. That's uh, um, what would be a good example today? Like, you know, you don't want to walk around uh, the grocery store. Oh, that one's going to get complicated too. That's going to be touching a third rail. Um, but you know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean? There, there are these examples of um, things becoming too easy to the point where you know, uh, it, it, it seems like a increased mode of convenience, but it's actually, you know, something to promote consumption of a particular, of a particular thing, um, where, yeah, I, I was watching a, so here's an example. Um, I was watching a video the other day, um, and this guy was talking about the frozen yogurt business and how like they they went from doing like small, medium, large cups to these kind of uh, frozen yogurt outfits where like you can weigh your own stuff 
and they give you the bigger cup because if they know you have the bigger cup, you're going to put more stuff in it mm -hmm. and they'll put, you know, such and such toppings earlier so that you want to get more that, that, that type of thing, that mm -hmm. type of thing. So mm -hmm. I, I think there are, you know, that's just a trivial example, but there are those more nefarious intentions of ease, uh, e-bikes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> ease bikes, ease bikes, um, that, you know, maybe pull in the other direction. So I, I, I do think, I do think within all of us, probably me and you in, included, like there is the beneficent, like, Hey, how do I, how do I figure out how to do this better and communicate it to more people or build this thing better? That's just natural to all humans. But I do think there's a nefarious element that can kind of come in as well and make things too easy. So, yeah. Yeah. And to keep hitting on my point of my reflection on how it looks like for the, for the project, the physical project amongst all humans, I just think that, uh, you know, you would think that we would just look around and I'll just make it more local in America as an example. We would just look around and go, whatever that project was, right? Whatever that project was of, of even if it was out there, but it was at a low level of the adherence to biology and nature and physicality, it was, it was a bad project. Like you would think that we would all look around, right? But, but it's not. And so that's, that's the, you know, that's the reflection that makes me sad. You know, it doesn't, there's like, you know, it's like, well, there is something we could do, you know, and you get all excited about even the energy of your words that do that. But, but then you're like, you know, from my experience, I know too much. I know too many people that have tried to stand up on that soapbox. You know, I know, I know too many individuals that got burnt in that system, coaches and clients. I, I know too many people that are, that don't even know that don't even know um like they're so far behind on what i know and i don't mean like soapbox no in terms of knowledge iq level no i mean just like what i believe people should know you know we're just so far behind um and i touch i touch and shake hands and speak with those people every day and i just it saddens me because i'm not sure besides just your my conversation you know, and us getting kicks out of it, if it's going to make a dent whatsoever for my children and the future generations of that. Yeah, it's, it's a fair. Soured, I know, but it's yeah. just, it's just it. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a fair point. And that actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that is something I wanted to point to and address. And I feel like that is worth having that conversation uh, in, in kind of this, discussion that we're having with the fitness collective, you know, sometimes I know you've mentioned in the past, this notion of like, Hey, we're out here doing all this stuff, coaching and trying to help people. And yet people are still getting sicker. Uh, I want to make sure we separate cause and effect there. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause it still could very well be the case that we're doing the best we can. And we're helping the people that we can. Uh, and yet countervailing forces of society, just speed up that other For engine, sure. which, yeah. you know, there's only so much we can do. Um, so that, that, that I do, you know, that's probably an important question when it comes to like, as we're discussing the fitness collective and what we can do, there may just be a, a rate limiter in terms of like, what can we do versus, mm -hmm. you know, the forces that go beyond us of, you know, chat GPT and all these different things that may just make it such that, um, people become less and less interested in it, but it isn't, it isn't a cause and effect thing. It's, uh, yeah, we can be doing all this good stuff over here and it's yielding these good results. And yet ever successive generations of people that are 
addicted to TikTok or Roblox or what have you just aren't as interested in the project. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Uh, I, I think both can happen at the same time. I think the in inside of there, there also must be the the conversation on effect size because that still can happen, right? Coaches can still do good things and help those who are in front of them. Um, and you could still have that happening over there, which is the opposite of that, right? And I just see the overpowering, increasing linear number of that other side. That's what I'm right. saying. And so this is, I think I agree with you. Um, coaches can still leave this and keep doing what they're doing. That's great. Um, and it, but as long as they don't unhear, if it's, if that's a word unhear, you know, the conversation of effect size and what we mean by collective, because when you, when you go outside of your gym and your system, you know, I would agree with you, Robbie, it's, you know, it's so hard. And this is a separate conversation for perception, right? Like people, some people are only in their gym, right? And they're only in their gym, in their minds. So they, they make their identity as a coach in the community as to what's happening in their gym. So they hear me talk and they're like, man, it's all on the up and up. People are so interested in exercise. They're so interested in learning, you know, but, but outside your gym, I'm just telling you, it's not that way. And your gym is actually a micro, 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 microcosm, right? I, I can give you more micros. It's, it's, so that's all I'm saying. When we say collective, what's inside that collective? Everyone who's interested in fitness? No, everyone who's possibly physical. That's where I, that's where I break that apart. I still agree with you on the cause and effect, yeah. but we need to talk about effect size for, for the overbearing nature of adaptation over there, right? It's like, it's more efficient to, to do this diet, you know, and, and to work out for 10 minutes doing this, like that's more efficient and that's way more powerful than what we know to be true in these biological principles, right. Of relationships and, and, uh, BLGs and, and, uh, communication and et cetera, and the hard work, et cetera. Yeah, no, I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I think that actually gets us to probably one of the central questions that really needs to be asked here about. Um, Thanks for holding us steady, Robbie. Thanks for holding us steady. No, but I mean, yeah, I this, 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 this is exactly this is exactly the. I mean, it's it's a super interesting point that you raised. That's exactly the crux of the issue, which is like, what's the goal of influencing the fitness collective based on our human nature? And we we've had this conversation before, but now we're going to have it more directly. Mm -hmm. Is it? you know, like you just said, like, is it the entire scope of anyone who can be physical? Like, is it just as many people participating in fitness activities as possible? You know, our, our joking reference of OPEX North Korea, or, uh, you know, the call to prayer comes on and like people just automatically do it, yep. whether they like it or not, whether they understand it or not, whether they have good intentions or not, is it just the physical act? Is it, and, and there could be other options, but here's, here are the three main ones that I, I have listed based on our conversation. So option number one, as many people doing it as possible, no matter whether they like it or not, understand it or not, have good intentions or not. Number two, cultivating awareness, understanding, and good intentions in those who are willing to receive the message, whether that's 5%, 10%, 15%. You know, this is the liberty and fitness conversation. I can't, you know, people have different conceptions of the good. You don't want to work out, not going to make you work out. Um, you know, those who aren't able to receive the message just aren't. And then a third one, and, you know, again, James, there might be others that you uh, have in mind besides these, but, um, you know, another one would be, look, adults today are a lost cause, just teaching the next generation um, of kids to, uh, 
to, you know, know how to physically express. Uh, and I know we've talked about really all three of those, but like each one of those is a very, I would say is a pretty different project. Oh, for sure. So do you, do you have thoughts on which, which one you lean more closely to, or you, you feel like is, is, you know, what, what you're going for more these days or. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think more these days is about, um, is about my own perception as to what the definition is of impact. Um, you know, and all the things that are connected to that, you know, uh, and, and how does it affect not only me, but the future generations, um, for that. So that, that's the answer to that initial question. But as I was thinking through that, yeah, each of those three, honestly, Robbie could be a book. Each of them could be a book, right? uh, for sure. Um, and I think the list is longer than that, right? As you, I think, I think you say like, there's, there's more areas of it, but, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, go back to the original question of it. What's the goal of influencing the fitness collective base at our human nature? I think the overall goal to be, uh, you know, to sound like, um, but it doesn't matter what I sound like. The overall goal of it would be to, uh, and I'm just taking a pause here to think if it's anything different than what we normally talk about the benefits of, of exercise. Right. And I don't think it's, I don't think it is. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's what people learn. They get to learn about themselves. Um, you know, not just their physicality, but they get to learn about how they react to, to challenges that they come up with. Right. I think fitness is an awesome reflection that allows people or the practice of physical expression allow, and, and challenges and creativity and imagination of those challenges allows people to learn a whole lot more about themselves like and true things about themselves again and i don't want to jump on the hobby horse of saying it's going to teach you so much more about true biology um, because it actually gets stressed you see my point like the system is actually stressed which is positive because you learn more about who you really are capital r really are um and so that that should be the goal really that should be the goal of influencing everyone is to do that. Now, um, you know, uh, how you go about making that happen, you know, that's right. I, I, I kind of don't know where to begin and you give a number of options there. Um, but, uh, I'm not sure where to begin on it. Um, okay. I mean, I guess just maybe just to lay my cards on the table. And I mean, I always learn more from having these discussions with you and my, my opinions could be my opinions and beliefs could be changed down the line. I, I to me, the two projects worth wanting are number two and number three to me that like, if I'm sticking my stake in the ground, mm -hmm. I think, you know, to the extent that we live in modern liberal democratic societies where people mm -hmm. have different conceptions of the good and uh, should be able to pursue those conceptions so long as they don't infringe upon the liberties and rights of others. I don't, um, uh, I personally am not interested. I, I mean, I, I think it's important to get the information out there to have people be, have access to it and to be able to understand it and listen to it. But if someone's like, eh, upon reflection, I want to eat Doritos and smoke cigarettes. Okay. You, you do you like, I, I don't know how to fix that. 
So I think really the the two main projects in terms of influencing the fitness collective based on our human nature that have um some real oomph behind it, even if, even if at the end of the day, cultivating awareness in those who want it may end up being five to 10% of the adult population. And even if teaching kids ultimately results in, let's say 50% of them after school saying, eh, you know, it's not that I'm interested in that. Although you've mentioned before that you have a program that might make it so that the percentage is a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the programs that are worth pursuing when it comes to the fitness collective. I don't know how we could even go about getting people to engage in physical fitness as adults by making them do something they don't want to do. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. That, that, as we both got to that same point of like the current, <laughs> the current issue. Um, yeah, no, you raised some good points there um, of, it depends upon who you are and where you are, right? Uh, that's why I said I tried to focus on just America for the conversation because that's, again, the the challenge, right, of liberties and freedoms. But I do, I do feel, and this is probably telling you more about my intentions of the entire project and what, like, really churns me, I really don't like uh, humans knowing, knowing that there's something more for themselves and they can be a better version of themselves and them not wanting to participate in that project. That is what churns me. That's what gets me. And I feel, I actually feel more sadness as opposed to, um, I feel more sadness as opposed to, uh, look, looking down upon them. If that makes sense. I, I feel, I feel more empathy and and more sympathy. Yeah, yeah, I feel more sympathy for those individuals that don't want to participate in the act of asking more of themselves. That's my issue. It's beyond the liberty freedom thing. You know, to your point, well, but people are free to uh smoke and eat Doritos and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But but I really do think that a lot of people know that there is a better version, like a better max potential version, and I just don't think enough people know that there actually is a pathway to the max potential and the and the and the striving for for something more physical that as you and I know it's not it's not elite powerlifting champion no it's like consistency and rhythm and like being able to participate with more you know with more people in the physical experience um, and then there's a host of other things that don't allow that to happen and it doesn't seem like it's worthwhile and et cetera. I get it and the adaptation thing is drive driven inside of there but um, yeah, that's what I, that's what I would would add as an asterisk to my point on uh, just looking around and observing. Um, and so, so what what could be a goal is to, um, is to, you know, I guess that's the separation here between us just being talking heads and actually making any impact, right? It's like, do you want to like? Do you want to nudge, right? Do you want to go outside of your gym and the consultation of that person that's landed in front of you, right? And do you want to uh, speak to someone, you know, on the street, just give it as an example, right? And nudge and be like, you know, and, but, but, and care, right? <laughs> and, and, and nudge, be like, you know, you can be something more. 
right? And all this shit that I'm throwing at you has got nothing to do with my broccoli sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> selling you supplements. It's got nothing to do with that, right? I just I just know that you could be better, you know? And you can and then we can, you know, of course add because I wrote down there what what is the outcomes of that that I really get excited about? I just think about this whole new wave of of human evolution when the majority of humans have you know, let's call it a uh, a bigger tie to biology and nature and mental acuity, right? And it's not a mask of just being on uppers in front of your computer, which I don't, I find that uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, but it's, yeah, I, I just wonder what a, I just, I just wonder what that whole physical revolution of a majority of people could, uh, could result in a physical intelligence that's much higher beyond where where I believe we we and that's why where we used to be in my opinion but we're not anymore. Yeah, no, I mean there's there's a lot I agree with in there. Uh, yeah, I mean a couple of thoughts. One would be, do we want to or do I want to or do coaches want to go and have that conversation with someone on the street? I mean. You know, in my, in my case, I've done lots of different company talks, talks at libraries, public talks. I I love and one of my favorite things is to convey the information to people who want to hear it. And one of my least favorite things and something I just and this goes back to human nature and something I fundamentally believe. And, you know, maybe it changes, but until human nature changes, I think there is absolutely no winning with someone who doesn't want to hear it, mm-hmm. whether it's someone that you've individually coached or you do a talk to. You can tell them to that, you know, to your blue in the face that uh, people who smoke cigarettes know that they shouldn't be smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Not, you know, what I mean, yeah. like they know this, and yet they continue to do it. So, um, so the answer is yes and no. Like I'm, I'm all for it and happy to do it and quite enjoy it for the people who want to hear it. And of course, you know, then you could say, well, there's a gray area about who wants to hear it. Are they initially open to it? And you got to kind of like have the conversation first. So I get that. But then there's the people who are like yo, man, I'm going to die smoking my cigarettes and taking my prescription meds. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, you do you. Um, the second thought I had was with relation to your, you know, frustration. And I would agree with her feeling of like, people can be more, but choose not to. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. You know, but to cite a similar frustration that I'm sure probably quite a few of us have, whether it's regard to like, it's currently legal for someone who you know uh parents who are on drugs to give birth to a child and then you know have that child i mean there are certain things that we put in place to like you know make it so that it can be taken away but like we do everything in our power no matter how immoral the person is no matter how uneducated no matter like we do almost everything in our power to be like hey if you're the biological parents if you contributed the sperm and the egg Mm -hmm. liberty yeah for these very few exceptions and that's that's a very frustrating thing with far more implications um but it's kind of like what's the alternative yeah do you know what i mean yep. so yeah that's it, it's like so i share that frustration i understand it um but yeah each each time you kind of creep to the other side it's this more dystopian like uh, authoritarian like oh is there now a test yeah. Yeah, I know. And that's where the, yeah, and that's where the authoritarian concept drops in because, you know, what, in, in a moral, you know, in a, let's just call it a, a moral universe where there isn't those options. You know, that's all I'm saying is like, well, what, what, what will we do? 
And I, I'm like, gosh, it's fucking utopia. <laughs> it's like, it is, it's like people understand these truths of biology and physical expression, what they're capable of doing. I think we'd come up with unbelievable ideas, ironically, back to the point, <laughs> maybe in a separate universe, we'd come up with all these ideas to make us more <laughs> adaptive, <laughs> right? And see, that's where I went back to your original point on, we have learned to, to make things easier for ourselves. That's where I wanted to kind of pick that one apart. Like, where did that come from? You know, did we, did we, did that come from, and I don't want to go back to revisiting that because you made your point on that, but I, I just find that interesting to revisit that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I do too. But I, I mean, yeah, and I, I won't go deep down the rabbit hole, but I mean, I don't think fire or spears or language were, you know, they weren't the result of some nefarious company. No, no, no. I'm trying to get closer, right? Like, uh, you know, 1700s and uh, right. electricity into information, yeah. into industry like that. So I'm like, Ugh, you know, like, yeah. you know, that's a long time. So during those periods of time, I mean, people have written on it. So it's not like it hasn't been discussed before, but we seem to all just like, you know, fall into it, you know? Yeah. I, I, all, you know, again, I got to be clear on effect size. It's a very, very high percentage, right? Yeah. And is. if you're like, well, you know, I think you're pessimistic on it. Again, I'll just slap you in the face with obesity numbers, right? I just, you know, what other ones do you want me to pick, right? Yeah. I mean, a flip side of it that I've, I've thought about, I mean, I, you and I don't really disagree about this. Per, I mean, I, I think we're on the same page, but I mean, something I do think about is like, yeah. But also a blip in evolutionary history. Yep. Yep. In both good and bad ways, right? Like, For okay. Sure. Was, you know, when we, when we look back, I'm not saying it was worth it or right, but when we look back at like the technological, well, I won't even use the word progress there because that's, but, uh, you know, do, do we overcome this hundred years of, uh, you know, obesity and diabetes and stuff like that? It was, was this a temporary blip to kind of get us to all the different things we were meant to accomplish? Because it, it really is. I mean, it's, yep. Of all of human history, this is a microfraction of a microfraction of a microfraction, both in good and bad ways. Yep. So it 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 really isn't the norm for humans. So, but I, you know, the the counter argument to that, of course, that I think is probably right, is like, well, convenience isn't slowing down, so it's not like this is going to magically right itself. Yeah. At a rapid uh, pace. Right. So another question here that I think is worth asking is where should we spend our effort dollars, so to speak, when it comes to trying to influence um, the fitness collective? Um, you know, it could be things like free online outreach, whether it's pod, you know, live a larger life, podcasts, YouTube videos, et cetera, fitness coaches, kids, adults, government programs, schools. Um, do you feel like it's equally spread among all those? Do you feel like there are some that deserve more of our attention than others? What, what are your current thoughts there? Yeah. Um, my current, you know, if I'm holding the genie bottle, um, is I would look at how, uh, other systems were really upended to create awareness, um, or other systems that were really like, you know, punched in the mouth that were like, holy crap. Right. Um, you know, so, so I would say and that's probably, I'm just trying, I'm, again, I'm pausing again, just to make sure it's nothing different than what I really do think would make that happen. Um, I think it has to be more along the lines of, of radical, nonviolent uh, information activism, 
I think. Uh, so stuff that's stuff that's probably probably not personal, but really heavy that the collective can't look away from that causes people to, to like, like, wow, like, holy crap. Right. Like, like the aha moments that's, that spreads across the globe. Right. And people are like, we are so fucking lazy and fucking think we're progressing. You know, like, like, but the, the, they're not just reading over like, yes, yes, I agree. You know, we're progressing. We think it's important, you know, or the front of all these books. Um, like everyone gets it with one like radical bang. Right. Um, uh, and I, I'm, I'm very unclear on that because <laughs> that's the, that's the only way I could sense of give you a metaphorical analysis of how it would occur as to where you spend your money. So whatever, whatever does that, that's what I would invest in, you know, you know, and, and that could, that could be numerous different ways. Right. Um, numerous ways. Let, let's, let's take, pause for a second to think about, uh, how many, how many individual minds across the planet took their health for granted over the past couple of years. Right. So, you know, and don't take, don't, uh, everyone don't like, you know, get into conspiracy of that being a lead attack to kind of wake people. No, 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 it wasn't going there. I was saying like, it's those kind of things that like really jam people. It's like, wow, holy crap, right? Like back, if, you know, you, I'm sure you've done your research on that, Robbie, with germ theory and germ hypothesis and the post, the, the, the massive flu epidemic in 1918. I mean, and just look at the, look at the growth in economy and humans and et cetera after that, right? You know, it's not was that wasn't the direct line of it, mind you, war and other things change things shit up. But you see, what I'm saying it's yeah, like man. this connection to like, holy shit, man. <laughs> right. What is what is that? So that's where I think you should spend your money on. If I was to make it like softer and give you the usual, <laughs> the usual answer to that, um, uh, because I'm assuming there's adults listening, yeah. um, really look hard as to what's in place for your children, for your children and uh, what you could do and where you could put money to help the, that young generation move forward. I think that, I mean, to a kumbaya moment, you know, you know, that could really, you know, what's it called in, uh, in techno talk, techno utopic talk, phase shift we can have a phase shift occur yeah. with like all the grade threeers just like you know yeah so that's where i think money should be spent synergy synergy <laughs> <laughs> gary v speak uh no i no i, I like that it, it made me think of a couple of things it made me think maybe we have our next t-shirt i can just imagine like a movie scene where like did you ever see v for vendetta yes Okay, you know, Gosh, like, I need to rewatch that. That's so good. Where like you know, V shows up on the TV screen and is like, "Hey, motherfuckers, you just allowed this all to happen." Like, I, I can just imagine you as V with like a mask on, and then like people being like, "This is this is our new T-shirt." They'll they'll listen to this and they'll be like, "Wow, I'm a lazy piece of shit." <laughs> um, and then you know, start to engage in fitness. But it, yeah, I uh. Yeah, but I, I I do. Yeah, I wonder about that. Even with, you know, you were mentioning COVID or like the flu, like even with these gigantic like world altering events, 
there are plenty of people who look at it and they're like, yeah, got to get my life in order. Oh yeah. No, I, I was just saying, that's why I said like, there's, there was a group that I wanted to use as a cohort analysis, right. Yeah. Of that being an example of the punch or that, that I didn't have anything to do with that. The fitness collective didn't have anything. It was right. like, holy crap, my health is important. Right. That's what I meant. So, so what would be the information sharing radical concept, right. That would like, and, um, I don't think it's only the deconstruction of fitness that would get people there, but I do think it's kind of a part of it. And that's all, that's all that, that's all that I can do. That's the only thing that I can contribute based upon my historical experience, right? Is yeah. to say, listen, I'll just talk as a trainer. Um, I think dependency uh, is, is the big thing that's preventing a lot of it from happening. Now that's my opinion, you know, so, but I'm sure there's, there could be, you know, some more, you know, some more people who are, uh, you know, in a way of sharing information that could create, you know, a massive shift in that. Yeah, definitely. And I, but I think even within those, like, let's assume, let's just assume we could do it for like a, a V for Vendetta style thing yeah. with regard to fitness, which would be amazing. And yeah. uh, very F cool. for fitness. Um, but yeah, it would still, you know, just like the zombie apocalypse, it would still be like, there'd be 50% of people be like, yeah. The, the zombies take me. So, you know, you, you essentially increase it maybe from five to 10% who are willing to like 50% who are not like, holy shit, mm -hmm. I'm out of shape. Yeah. Um, I, I think even aside from the political liberty conversation, again, I could be wrong. I feel like so long as there is freedom of thought and diversity of thought, there are going to be people who are like, yeah, let the zombies take me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. People who are just like that in the face of this thing are just like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we could uh, go. Uh, we could go. Uh, we could go a little bit more of a challenging route, right? That that kind of airs on the side of questions around liberties. Uh, when you get inside of, uh, um, you know, is there anything in place that says, you know, the state should indicate the state, meaning your own individual state, right? Like Florida, right, or Iowa, right? The state will say, this is what we expect of the human experience socially and and therefore you know these are the things that we're going to tax you, you know you, you can you can spend because and if people are like well how do i spend money on that well you know that's a longer story and uh, I, I would quickly say don't do it because it's a just to give you an example of shit that not is not going to be passed right <laughs> just as example republicans as of like in three days are like we've come up with these new things and we're going to change this thing and like nothing none of it's going to get done right um so just and the reason why i'm like well how does that connect what you're talking about you know you can come up with the idea but if you're not realistic <laughs> like the president vetoing it or the, the you know Congress thinking differently about, you know what I'm saying? You know, that's, that'll happen in Iowa as my example. Right. So, but before I even, you know, stop at that, you can put money towards there. Right. Um, or maybe you can do it locally. Right. And I'll, I'll just give you something that is impactful for me. Um, I am, will be more connected to my school board um, over the next couple of years. And I go to their meetings, you know, once a month and there's a speaking meeting and then a private meeting and, um, so I'm involved, but that, and I can also put my dollars into, um, you know, without, uh, you know, I'm just trying to think about what's allowed to be said here as a non-American citizen. Anyways, I, uh, 
I can uh, <laughs> I can help people get on the school board that that have a part to play in in the development of the curriculum and the program for physical expression. <laughs> I can just see the Those Department the, of Immigration just like video. busting into your video. door <laughs> and like arresting you. <laughs> Go back to Canada. What? What? <laughs> that should be a, yeah, that should be a, an episode in itself. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's what, but, but to be, you know, real on that, honestly, like, that that because that's money, right? That's money that I will actually do to support that individual who can have an impact for me locally. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it's locally yeah. going to affect the physical expression and the uh, the hiring of physical education teachers, the uh, curriculum of what what is health, etc. So, yeah, I was trying to tie into like the money thing. Beyond. No, and I, I I can see that, and I think that's I mean that that is a way either whether through taxation or tax subsidies for, I don't know, people getting out and doing more outdoor activities or gym memberships or what have you, or, you know, we can argue about the better and worse ways to go about it or what you were just saying, like, those are a way to like influence things without infringing on Liberty. Like currently the, currently the, the best we can often do, like, I, I don't know if you've seen this recently in the, uh, the newspapers, but, uh, there's proposed legislation potentially nationally about gas stoves, just, mm -hmm new gas stoves going the way of the dodo in terms of health yep. implications, what have you. So like yep. usually with legal stuff, the best we can often do is preventing someone from doing something, not enforcing something to be done. Yep. But what we can maybe do with like money or influence is, you know, try to make it so that it's easier or there's an easier path to get those things done. Yeah, for sure. And then there's, you know, if for what hits home for a lot of people who are listening in, um, you could, uh, have debates amongst your coaches, I would say, uh, or your particular group uh, of uh, what would be called just a thought experiment of how they can influence um, their local uh, governments to give tax kickbacks and write-offs for those who are willing to participate in fitness. Right? right. Like, don't be don't be afraid to even no matter regardless of what you think. Right. Regardless of what you think around uh, capitalism and and. Uh, uh, trade and, you know, knowledge, intellectual property, you know, responsibilities, terms of service, et cetera. Regardless of what you think about that, just, just get together with all your coaches and talk about that, you know, because then you may come up with some ideas like that's very interesting, right? We, like, we, we truly do want to help more people than just the 80 people that can afford our gym. We right. do. And we feel like we owe it. So what are the steps to go beyond just the 80 people in your gym to do that? Yeah. Right. And that's a very good middle path where, you know, you're you're setting a middle course between like, we want more people to engage in this activity. And yet we think it's authoritarian to say like, you know, there should be a law in place that someone should do X amount of physical activity. So you could yeah. say, well, in the middle, uh, make it easier uh, for yeah. people to do this or give them a financial incentive or so something like that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um. Yeah. As long as it inside that contract, uh, you know, as they leave the door, um, you give them like a a massive wristband that gives them like 250 volts every time they put, you know, Doritos up to their mouth or, you know, I mean, or, you know, I, sorry, I couldn't come up with something that's more humorous, but. Uh, I thought you were um, going to use another orifice there. <laughs> James. Anything. anything <laughs> well, listen, you took it there, right? You said you, the R-rated thing. I couldn't get it out of my head. Uh, so the, uh, 
So how about this then that, uh, you know, uh, on a more serious note, when they leave the room, you tell them like the repertoire of stuff, you know, just for people who are taking the next steps beyond that tax incentive burdens that are now placed upon the coaches, right? Because to your point, and I agree, it's gonna be a lot of people who are going to take advantage of that, right? And you don't follow them around for their other, you know, 22 hours of the day, right? So there's got, there's got to be something inside there as well. Um, yeah. You know, there's an ankle bracelet that shocks them if they go within 10 feet of a Chick fil A or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that kind of, kind of segued into and was kind of an answer to the last question that we had here, which, you know, is obviously a gigantic question, but just some initial thoughts. Um, how does our nature as humans or lack thereof influence how we should try to encourage society as a whole to stay fit and healthy? So one method that we just brought up was this notion of like taxation or tax up, you know, taxation maybe for not as good or not as healthy activities and tax subsidies or free money for, um, or not necessarily free money, but kickbacks for uh, engaging in healthy activities. But I do think it's an interesting question that, you know, you and I have discussed before, like, whether right or wrong or rational or not, you know, we see it with kids, we see it with teenagers, we see it with adults. For whatever reason, humans do respond to rebellion. They respond yeah. to reverse psychology. Yeah. Like, should, you know, should there be campaigns like, I think we joked about this on one episode, like, hey, dude, you're being lazy. You know, of course, yeah. you're not going to get off the couch like that, that type stuff. They respond to entertainment for better or worse, whether it's the liver king or what have you. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on like, are there better or worse methods to get people to engage in these activities? I think you and I are far more of the uh, like education rather than nefarious intentions or entertainment or uh, reverse psychology, but I didn't know if you had any additional. Well, don't, don't leave out that I do have a little bend to the authoritarian, you know, ruling. I I don't want to discount that. That's, that's still, I mean, I mean, we joke about it, but, you know, if you were actually to have the adult conversation about it, right. Um, you know, I know there'd still be lots of people participating be like, Oh, fucking pushups again. But, but you know, I don't know. I think there'd be a lot of things that we just don't take the steps to, con- to continue down, down that, that road. If it was only broccoli and not only broccoli, but you know, the concepts of the BLGs, um, are we really going to argue that just because people are ho humming and not, they don't really like it we're not actually healthier. I think we just don't take the time to continue out that, that conversation of the authoritarian have to, um, and then what that looks like for good reason. Right. Um, I think also inside there, um, to, to your point of a lot of people just ending up not wanting to do it or don't want to, and your, you know, discouragement around, you know, being forced to in your position as an example to try to coerce people and how challenging that is. I think what's inside of that too is not, is is also uh f- like people not people wanting to be free right they they we may we may have that thing inside of us that i don't want to be told what to do you know i i just want to do what i want to do right so and the reason why i make mention of that is just probably just another way that i see it you know relative to what you said it just earlier of listen you know people are just going to want that you know they're just going to want to be free to do whatever they want to do um, and of course that changes in cultures and nations and geography and et cetera, um, you know, mental capabilities, whatnot. Um, but I, I, I would just, I would just stop at that because I really don't have a, um, 
I really don't have uh, more than what I've already said as a way through to kind of like uh, tip the scales or to increase the concept of it beyond my point earlier of just a, a radical turnover, you know, um, yeah. of something. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So we got a lot of good stuff there on education spreading information and coaching and teaching and perhaps a V for Vendetta. Like, yes. uh, yes. No, I took it down. Yeah. Yeah. Even uh, if I play out the whole movie script and write it out in my mind and actually do it, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll help. So thank you. So that means you would be sending, I think at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, but it's from 2006. So forgive me. Um, and you've already seen it. Um, so that means you would be sending an underground train with bombs on it to CrossFit HQ. Is that, is that what I'm about to, to understand? I mean, you're, you're just, that's, this is what Robbie just said. And he's setting the script for it. I might use that. I may not, but uh, you know. I'm trying to think what the other alternative would be to parliament. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> the, right. the, the, the fitness <laughs> world, but uh, yeah. But anyway. Um, yeah, no, I, I like that. I thought that was a good discussion. Any, any final thoughts or um, on anything? No, I, um, well, to repeat, I think what we started with on the last episode of part one here is that um, regardless of how it's viewed, uh, it it is a this is that's a big topic and it's almost uh impossible uh to involve it and to isolate it down so it's somewhat connected to fitness and what we do but that will not discourage us from circling back the wagons on this particular area in different in different ways and i, I think that's what came to light after these two episodes was the the recognition that there needs to be a whole bunch more time spent on on that particular area of you know what her, what humans do today and what they consider to be a natural process of being humans and then where does fitness fit in and that that's a that's a monstrosity of a topic that I still do think as I said on the first the last show not a lot of people are discussing or are interested in that discussion um but that's also I'm being an apologist there for why it also probably sounds like uh, why this this topic, is, you know, we can move around in so many different areas, right? Because it is, it's just so big, you know, but that will not stop us <laughs> from, from picking, picking parts of it, picking parts of it. So that's what I appreciate. I actually, I, I appreciate uh, the fact that my, I wasn't coherent and my mind is scrambled. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, it's 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 a it's a really big topic, and it's hard. And you're right. Like, uh, I mean, I think everyone can agree that at some fundamental fundamental element of human nature, there's the biological physiological component, which is why we're discussing fitness. But you really do get into these bigger questions of like, how do we get greater participation? What do we do if biology changes? Um, what do we do if the nature of work changes? And uh, you know, all, all the all these different things and what what is essential to human nature and what's not essential so uh yeah i've i've, I've got a lot of things I'm, I'm i'm going to rethink after these past couple episodes and yeah super because so. then that also means that we're going to have better episodes in the future agreed